A reading from The Power of Belonging, Discovering the Confidence to Lead with Vulnerability by Will Vanderhart and Rob Waller. The best place to begin a journey to belonging is from the concept of home. Defined as a place where one lives, home gives us the strongest impression of a place of authenticity, confidence, and freedom. It is a concept that we can all relate to even when our experiences of its reality are vastly different. To say, I feel at home here, is to express the greatest sense of security to lead. But what is home to you? Psychotherapist and theologian Kent Hoffman describes a circle of security, where home has two functions, depending upon our needs. Firstly, it is a secure base from which we can adventure into life. Secondly, it is a safe haven to which we can return from the challenges of life. Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Today, our guest, Lisa Betts, known as someone she would call herself is quietly unconventional. Lisa is a remarkable woman that I met through the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. We both belong. And in 2021, she won the Fiction Book of the Year, and I won the Nonfiction Book of the Year. And as you'll hear, as you will hear in our story, we ended up uh, at a, a book signing event for all the booksellers across the country right next to each other. And she will she will she will say to you this is where the introvert met the extrovert. She's an engineer turned mystery writer and entertaining speaker. She infuses her stories with unconventional characters who thrive on solving tricky problems. Today Lisa is going to invite us to examine this sense of belonging and authenticity. So welcome, 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 Lisa. We're so happy to have you here with us today because this is going to be a very quietly unconventional conversation that I know is going to help so many people. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Your podcast is, every time I listen to it, I get so much out of it. Oh, well, thank you. I'll take that. I'll take that as a priest told me about 40 years ago. If you receive a compliment, put it in your pocket because there's going to be a day when you're going to need it. <laughs> you're going to need some encouragement. So I just put that in my pocket. Lisa, you and I met at the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association annual conference, and it was also the Christian Marketplace, CBA, Christian booksellers, lots of stuff going on there. So at the OSA conference in 2021, you won Fiction Book of the Year. Yes. For your book, Death and a Crocodile. It just makes me smile so much. You were so surprised, and I was so surprised uh, at winning yes. nonfiction book of the year. 
And I have yet to read it because I don't read a lot of fiction. I don't really read hardly any fiction unless someone presses me to the wall. I used to read it a lot when I taught writing and literature, but today I just study all the time. It's just what I do. But your second book is Fountains and Secrets. Tell us a little bit about that one. Well, in the second book, it happens just a couple of months after the first one. So in the first book, we meet, she's being betrothed. So we meet some potential um, rivals for her, for her, who will become her husband. And in the second book, she is just married. Oh. Uh, And um, the mentor of her brand new husband goes missing. And she thinks because she's a dutiful wife, she's going to go help find him. And that just starts a whole ball, you know, yeah, she... It starts a whole lot of things. She uncovers way more than she thought. She gets herself in trouble again. (laughs) I cannot wait. And her name is Livia Amelia. Is that correct? Livia. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why did you choose that name? Does it have a special meaning or? Well, I was trying to find a name that was authentic, but didn't feel so weird to say. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Like Hortensia or Pompulia or, you know, some other thing. And but I also there, Flavia was my first choice, but there were already <gasps> several books that had that character, so yeah. I couldn't really use that one so easily. So I picked Livia. Yes, and they're set in ancient Rome. Sorry, I forgot to say yes. where they were set. Correct. And so on your site, you have so many cool things about ancient Rome as well. So I just really want my heartlifters to just visit your site. You'll you'll see where it's at in the show notes. I don't want to take any time here. I really want to just get into your brain. I couldn't move into our topic today until we talked about. Uh, your journey because you are not, I don't know, is there a typical fiction writer? I'm not sure. If there is, I'm not it. <laughs> Tell us why you say that. <laughs> I love you, Lisa. <laughs> I, I, I have never been good at fitting molds. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I have met a lot of fiction writers who say, oh, ever since I was a child, I've just wanted to write books. And it had never crossed my mind that I wanted to write books. Hmm. I was I was a math and science girl. I never liked English class all through school. I was good at it, but I didn't enjoy it. Uh-huh. Um, I went to college and majored in mechanical engineering. It's crazy. I worked, at, I worked in a dirty old aluminum plant for six years. Right. Um, you know, hard hat, safety glasses, the whole bit. Steel-toed shoes. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Um, so yeah, we can't move. Speakers. We can't move past that. Hold on. I'm gonna. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I need you to tell my me and all of the heartlifters because you say you know why one side of aluminum is shiny and one side is not. I want to know. I've never known this. I thought that's so cool. We're gonna have. We're learning something new here today. Okay. If if you know what a, a pasta press looks like, that'll help. But so when you're making aluminum, right, you have the metal. And you have these two rollers and you're squishing it between them, right? Okay. And you can squish and squish and squish, but aluminum foil is really, really, really skinny. It is. And, and so it's so skinny that that if you squish it in one layer, the, the, the edges of the rollers will, will hit because it's so thin. And uh-huh. so you have to put two layers together and run them both through at the same time. And so... The, the outsides are along the roller where it's smooth, but the insides are rubbing against each other. Oh my gosh. Which makes them not, not shiny. Not as shiny. Yeah. Well, there you go. That yep. might just be a question <laughs> on Jeopardy one day. And you 
will know the answer. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. So it's not actually because one side reflects heat more than the other. That's not why it's done. Uh-huh. Although I think one side is like 10% better than the other or something. Okay. Which is why we would put the shiny on the outside. We're always, you know, that's just what we've been yeah. conditioned. Right. Ooh, all, the, all those things we were told. That's going to, that's going to really lead us into our conversation. <laughs> shiny on the outside little dull on the inside. Well, how how about that prophetic word from a piece of aluminum foil? That's amazing. So you're not you're not the the typical. So what what led you then to start writing fiction, award-winning fiction by the way? Well, um after I quit working to have children, my friend suggested she kind of twisted my arm and said I should start um, substituting at our local high school. There's a local Christian school that my children ended up going through K through 12. And so she convinced me that I was capable of substituting. And the school was thrilled to have somebody who could just show up one day and teach algebra without any problem. Oh, gosh. Or, you know, oh. whatever. So, so I started, so nice. um, so so I started substituting. I've always been a natural teacher. That's one of my spiritual gifts is teaching, you know, and I've done Bible study and other stuff. So so being a teacher was a fairly natural fit for me, even though I don't have any background in education. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, going to that particular Christian school where I knew half the parents, I at least knew who some of these kids were. <laughs> yes, <helped>. it does <laughs> help. Help right. my confidence anyway. Mm-hmm. So after I'd been teaching a couple of years, uh, a friend of mine who had a son who was in high school at the time uh, begged me to direct a, a high school play because no one else wanted to do it. And I said, well, I have zero experience in directing high school plays, but sure. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> my, my my parents had a background in amateur theater, so I, I did have one resource to draw upon. That's so fun. So, so I, with some trepidation, volunteered to, to direct this first play. And it's, it's one of those times I, I seem to have a lot of friends who see in me something I apparently don't see in myself and are forever mm. volunteering me to do these leadership things that I have no interest, you know, and, and I say yes. And wow. then God always shows up. And when I, when I run out of my resources and I don't know how I'm going to take the next step, he always brings some person along right then who says, is there something I can do to help? Wow. Oh, that's yes. so encouraging. That's so powerful. Yes. It really, it's so encouraging for all of us. So what I'm also hearing is that you are a risk taker. I mean, you are someone who, Sometimes. I mean, that's risky though. It's like, oh sure, I'll direct a high school play. I was a thespian. I was in the high school play and choreographed it my first time ever in high school. I, that's not a that's not a light feat to run a high school play. <laughs> it's not, so. but I loved it. And so I ended up doing it for 10 years. <gasps> Yeah, wow. I did. I, I did. I did high school plays for ten years. Loved the kids. It, it was very exhausting, you. but it was a wonderful yeah. thing. And then when my youngest son went off to college, I kind of sat down one day and just asked myself, "What do I want to be when I grow up?" Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm still asking myself that. <laughs> and I had been over the course of of those years, I had been dabbling in writing, and I had even started attending. Um, a local Christian writers group. 
And this was when I decided, am I going to take it seriously or not? And so I decided I'm going to pursue writing and actually finish a novel manuscript. Wow. Well, step one is to finish finish a manuscript. And wow. so I, I wrote one and then I got some editing on that one and feedback and wrote another one because, you know, the first one was just no good because I made all the beginner mistakes. <laughs> so I wrote several practice manuscripts until I, I wrote the one that ended up getting published as Death and the Crocodile. Death and the Crocodile. Isn't that so inspiring? It's so like makes me want to read it. You've really urged me to start reading that. So I'm going to do that. But speaking of God things, since you said that, our meeting was actually really a God thing. It was totally a God thing. We're at this conference, so much going on, just so much going on. Uh, And I was late to getting to the book signing for some reason. I don't remember. So all of the like fancy round tables were all taken and I'm just kind of wandering. Uh, you were setting up your a table, and I think if my if I'm right, because it was all such a blur, I'm like I don't have a table. And the you know the conference runners were like, okay, well, can we put you right here next to her? And we were really in an odd place, but it ended up being a good place because it's where people came in and people came out. And so, and then it just so happened you'd you had one fiction book, I had one nonfiction. I'm like, well, this is great. But I wonder, I wonder your impressions because I I definitely know that uh, we talked about it ourselves a little. That it was as if this God said, okay, this introvert is going to be next to this extrovert, and this is going to be great. Because I don't think I I don't know. You tell me if we would have connected on that level, let's say, share your thoughts. Well, I will first, first of all, I will say that I had noticed you earlier in the conference. You were this vibrant person and you were laughing and telling some story and I was looking at you, but, but being my very introverted little self. And, you know, I had gone to this conference only knowing like one person. So I was, you know, and a lot of you had been in, because I had just just joined the organization. So a lot of you knew okay. each other. Okay. I'm, I'm the outsider coming in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching these people from the sidelines because that's what I do. And I saw you and I, I was looking at you thinking, wow, she looks like a really fun person. I would never have like, <laughs> I would never have marched up and said, I want to be your friend because I would, you know, way too intimidating. Um, oh, I hate hearing that. I'm just glad you didn't go. She's really obnoxious. No, no not just really you. crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get it. But then also, because you came late, you missed the little detail that oh. in, for the book signings thing, that the hotel people were frantically trying to find more tables because they apparently didn't have enough. That's right. And so there's all these people wandering around looking for their table and there isn't one. And so I had been sitting on the floor signing my books, waiting for a table. And and they finally, you know, they brought this big old honking table. table, right, instead of the little nice round ones everybody else had. With pretty tablecloths. So there I was, and I didn't need the whole big table by myself. So oh, was, was it one table? About... Was it one table? Yeah. Oh, it was two it was tables. One big, it was one well, big see one how I missed the details table. and you miss mechanical engineer. Yeah. You are, that's where I, that's why I need you because you remember the details. Okay. That's right. Because I had so much to put on my table. <laughs> that is right. We shared the table. Yeah, we shared the table but there was plenty of room and it was so much fun because 
you added the energy that I needed to make that a successful event. It was fun. I'm not naturally a high energy person and I'm not a people person. I can, I can Mm -hmm. handle people, but yeah, it's not my, it's not my strength. So it was such a, such a gift to me that you were there just encouraging me and having fun together. Because I hate book signings. I don't like them. (laughs) I feel awkward. I am definitely an extroverted introvert. I am, I love the aluminum foil theme here because everyone would think I'm the shiny side, right? And I can definitely turn on the shine because I have been performing my whole entire life. And so it's just a stage. You just go on with a choreographed face, postures, stances, movements, right? But on the inside, I'm scared to death, like of, I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to promote myself. I don't want to charge anybody money. Like I just, it makes me physically feel sick. And after that, I'm drained for days, like exhausted. So I just turned up and was like, she just won fiction book of the year. Her book's amazing. I haven't read it, you know, and I just got to, because that I'm a teacher too. And I've learned this about myself as much as I love to sparkle and shine and get on stage and do all of those things. I would much rather do this behind you and mm-hmm. at a girl. Yes, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You got this. You know, I guess that's why I am what I am today in this life coaching counseling therapy world that I'm in is that I just can't wait to put people on their feet and can't wait to get them to fulfill their purpose. So it was a win-win for both of us because I felt so much pressure fall off. And it was as if we were sharing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, she's got the great fiction read. I got a great nonfiction read. You know, when you get exhausted from reading my book, go read hers and escape into ancient Rome, you know? So It was so great. And then that just led us to have some conversations that didn't really come into fruition until this later this year, right? We kind of emailed a little bit back and forth, but I had quite a year. But so we finally connected. And when we did, I think we both realized that one of the most important things that we both want to feel is a sense of belonging. And you call yourself the quiet, unconventional soul, right? A misfit even. So I don't like that word. I don't mind unconventional, but misfit. And as we had spoke, we both know Sherry Strange and we'd had her on the show and she talked about the wallflower mentality. That's another way of saying it. You know, you just said, I push to the outsides, you know, and and kind of watch the room and watch what's going on. But once again, you demonstrated courage and bravery there, Miss Lisa, because you risked going to a conference where you knew one person. So that that is courage and bravery and a desire to keep moving forward until you find where you belong. So if you would define for my heartlifters what you think a misfit is or why you feel like a misfit, Second, define unconventional and why you feel unconventional. I actually like to call myself a a secret misfit. 
Oh, well, that's even more fiction exciting. I, Secret misfit. Because, because we don't, we don't like to admit we're a misfit. And when we're oh. trying to wear the masks to fit in, we know inside, I'm not fitting in here. I don't really, I don't really, I don't really belong here. I don't really like this, whatever it is, this yeah. way I'm having to behave kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I have, because I have always been, I, I've never fit molds. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, in high school, my two favorite activities were drama and math team. <laughs> I'm so right? sorry. So, <laughs> we would have met. We would have met in drama. We would have loved but, each other in drama, but math club but, not so much. Right, and, and but I did spend. I, I did drama all through high school, but I was never once on stage. Oh, uh-huh. see, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm the I'm the behind the stage person. Uh, I you know you make it happen. You make it happen. But yeah, I, I've never fit molds. Um, and I kind of enjoy it. I don't know. I, I might have felt more misfitty when I was in high school, more aware of the fact that I'm not fitting in. But even in high school, mm-hmm. I was because I guess I had a strong enough foundation knowing that my parents loved me no matter who I was and wh- how weird I was. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to prove I didn't have to earn their love or, or prove my worth or anything like that at home. So you had what we would call here uh, in our community, you had a secure attachment. You had right. a safe home where you were seen and heard and known home. and belonged. Yeah. So yes. that's why your story is very interesting to me. Yeah. So that was a huge blessing. So I, I actually remember thinking in high school at some point, you know, looking at the popular kids and there's a piece of me that wishes I could be one of the popular kids, hmm. but there's a larger piece of me that said, but I don't want to play those games. I so think that's amazing. It. Yeah. I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to play that game. I don't want to have to do all that. So and I'll what was all that to here. you? What was all that? Uh, wearing the <laughs> certain clothes, acting the certain way, hanging out in the place that everybody else hang, hung out in, even though my Christian soul was like, I don't want to go there. You know, all, all those things. Yes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Because um, you see, we're still playing those games today. We just play them in different venues. I really, I think that's a true statement. Yeah, we we do. I mean, we always have this longing to belong. Mm-hmm. And it's the easy way is to fit in. Mm. But, the, but the, the harder, the harder way is to be myself and wait for God to bring the people to me. That, yeah, that I fit with. Right. That is hard. And how do you do that? Like, how did you do that? Let's just go back to high school. Because I, I remember you telling me in a, another conversation that we had that your mom was like, you know, Lisa, maybe if you dressed this, something to that effect, your mom made some comments. Well, I was, yeah, sometimes I would, I don't know, I, I would get stubbornly about something and say, well, I don't want to play that game, so I'm not going to even go there. You know, it's like, well, you know, if you dressed a little nicer or if you fixed your hair a little more or whatever. or Okay, that's know, what I remember. If you, yes. If you wore some makeup, well, on them. <laughs> And Lisa's like, I'm not doing it. You've made me secure. I know who I am. I'm okay. I mean, that's what I love though, because you see, I was the same, but I, I changed. I became the chameleon who, who lost and left her true self. I mean, I was, yeah, just bright carrot, red hair, fair skin, so tall. 
you know, dress frumpy. But then I got connected to a cool girl and changed everything about myself and lost my true self. Hmm. And I had insecure attachment. And I think if I had had secure attachment, I would have been more brave like you. Hmm. And life would have been different. So we're very much the same, but very different as well because of the foundation upon which our lives were built. And that's that's why I'm here. This is why we do what we do to help families, you know, make their homes a safe haven for their children to be accepted and be feel like they belong. So that followed you through that followed you through college or. Yeah, I, you know, I was by the time I got to college, I guess I was just used to kind of not fitting mold. So here I am going to majoring in engineering. So the, the, the college that I was at had only admitted girls for about 10 years to start with. So the whole college was, you know, like three to yeah. one ratio. But right. The engineering department was like 10 to one. Wow. So I wasn't I wasn't the only girl. There were a few others, but yeah, it was my whole way through I was I was one of the oddballs just by being a female. Yeah. And then I went, you know, to this plant and here I am this this, <laughs> you know, 22-year-old girl. Wow. And and almost everybody there, you know, all the all the people on the floor that I was supposed to be telling what to do in the engineering stuff were like old enough to be my father. Sure. You know? And you're this and young, working young there for yeah. 20 years. Uh, exactly. So it was, a, it was, a, it was a lot of, of challenge that way. Um, so somewhere, you know, as I went through, I guess I just got so used to being slightly different. Yeah. And to, you know, so, so now I, I joke about it that, you know, who wants to be normal? <laughs> That's no fun. Right. So I have, I have accepted that, that persona and I'm happy being unconventional now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do say I'm quietly unconventional. Mm-hmm. And, and part mean? of what that means is living quietly unconventional is not about making a scene, gaining attention, or rebelling against authority. Instead, it's about living with purpose and authenticity, whether anyone notices or not. Oh, God. So that's the quiet part, <laughs> is that I'm not I'm not out to be a rabble rouser. I'm not out to look how different I am. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna do right. my thing. In my own quiet, peaceful way, and it's God's problem. Who notices? I'm just going to pause there. It really is something that needs to sink way down deep to every one of us and everyone who's listening. That I'm just going to be myself, whether anybody notices or not. I mean, I know I could live the rest of my life trying to put <laughs> intention out. <laughs> You know, it's just such an interesting, we're such an interesting contrast because I can sit in the back row and this is not, I am not in any way, shape or form, like being haughty or anything, please trust that. But it's like, I'm, I just, I do stand out. Like I can't help myself, you know, because I, it's just who God made me to be. Exactly. Yeah. And, but go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I, at your suggestion, I, I took um, one of the more comprehensive Enneagram personality tests. Oh, you did? And oh, oh I, I'm I so excited. Number five, you know, as as I already knew, I'm I'm a number five. But I just thought you might find it interesting that that the, the score I made the least on was number two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in some ways we are in some ways we are very different. So our personality. So that's why I am attracted 
to behind mm. the scenes. I would, given yeah. my preference, I would stay behind the scenes and not let anyone notice me at all and be safe there. I can be on stage because my parents had, I'm assuming it's because my parents had had a background in theater and we were, we did, you know, some stuff. I was never afraid to do an oral report, say. And, uh-huh. and now that I, I'm, you know, doing some, doing more speaking, I'm not afraid when I'm on stage and I know what I need to say, I'm comfortable, mm-hmm. but I don't, but otherwise do not put me on stage and do Just, not like, look at Lisa. Yeah. No, you know, right. It's totally these, not like about these you. Kind, these kind hearted performers who at the end of a, a, a performance say, and let's let Lisa come on stage so she can give a bow because she did all this work. I'm like, no, please do not do that. Please, please, please do not do that. You have an ingrained humility perhaps as well. Well, or fear or whatever. Or fear. Okay. All right. I love your honesty. It's like of being in the spotlight. It's okay. Which is why I think this is, my husband and I talk about this all the time, that I always say, why? I'm always being drawn back by God, like hold, holding me back, right? Hold back the lioness, hold back the girl, you know, because she just wants to get on stage and wants to do this and preach and teach and do all of these things. And he's like, no, we're going to sit on the floor in your room and you're going to be quiet for years and years and years. And I think, well, why did you make me like this then? (laughs) So that I just hide away in my home and practice the contemplative practices of stillness, silence, and solitude. I don't understand. And you, he's like, okay, girl, come on, come on. I'm going to push you out. I'm going to put some extroverted people around you and we're going to get you out. And so you can share the intense knowledge and wisdom and intellect that you do have and you do have to bring to the table. I just think that's hysterical. I think about that all the time, you know, okay, God, I mean, did you get it right? Did you, did you really want me like, who am I really? Have you felt that way that, okay, God is like pushing you more and prodding you? I think that's always part, part of growth is to expand into those things. We naturally just avoid. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Now, if, but, but it's only if, if God's pushing us there, because if I decide I'm going to go fix myself, that's going to be a dismal failure. Absolute (laughs) failure. That is exactly right. For sure. So I bet on my Enneagram, I will, I'm going to go get it out and look. I'm probably at last place five. <laughs> this is so fun. But this is what I love though. It's like, this is integration. You know, we're supposed to be all of the numbers. We're supposed to be a part of all of them. Yep. And so that makes a whole person that makes a whole body, you know, uh, the body of Christ does not just need a, uh, some extroverted twos or sevens, you know, it needs fives. I need you. I need a five on my, in my team, on my team, you know, just desperately. And so I wonder. And I need need twos on my team (laughs) and sevens and eights and, you know, everybody else. We definitely need each other so, so much. So I wanted to read this and kind of get your reaction. Uh, It's from the book, The Power of Belonging, Discovering the Confidence to Lead with Vulnerability by co-authors Will Vanderhart and Rob Waller. And he, one of them writes, it doesn't tell you which one's writing, which, starting from home, the best place to begin a journey to belonging is from the concept 
of home. Defined as a place where one lives, home gives us the strongest impression of a place of authenticity, confidence, and freedom. It is a concept that we can all relate to even when our experiences of its reality are vastly different, like we just said. Your reality of home, secure, safe, is very different than my reality of my home of origins. To say, I feel at home here, is to express the greatest sense of security to lead. But what is home to you? And how can you experience it within your life and your leadership? So you, you've already shared that you had a home base in which you feel as though you got uh, that secure attachment, that sense of belonging, that sense of safety. Why then do you feel like you still are searching to belong? That's what I, and maybe that's the wrong way to say it. You correct me. Well, I think, I, I think I'm, it's not that I'm searching to belong. It's that I'm aware that I never will. And I, I, yes. I go back to, to what Peter says about, we are aliens and strangers in this world. Yeah. And so I am, I have come more or less, most of the time, <laughs> I have yeah. come to terms with the fact that I have made choices to live authentically and to live according to God's ways and to to follow his values. And that is, and will continue to clash with society. So I am never going to be long because I choose not to. That's right. Right. And sometimes that's easier, easier choice. And sometimes it's a really hard choice. Mm. Um, Can you give me an example of a hard choice? Mm -hmm. Well, well, this is sort of what we, all right, I'll I'll just use it. Um, So (laughs) I'm not focused on image, you know, and, and in fact, being an engineer, this is my excuse, a fashion, <laughs> I just don't comprehend it. Sorry. Um, and so, you know, I, I, awesome. I, we both look at high fashion going by and we think, I would never wear that. I would never wear that. You know? And I go, um, oh, ooh. <laughs> you go sparkly. Oh, it stands um, out. I love it. Right. Well, that's part of it. That's yeah. Trying not, not to stand out mm-hmm. anyway. So. So most of the time I'm fine. I wear what I wear, whether it's in fashion or not, because it's comfortable and it fits and it looks good on me. But then I have to go to some some large gala event sort of thing, you know, where yes. everyone has to dress up. Like and we I did. Feel, and, I, and I feel so threatened because mm. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to play that game. I don't know. Am I wearing the right thing? I never know, mm-hmm. you know. What, what's 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 acceptable? What's not? Yeah, that's so. And so I, then I go around and round in my head, you know. Um, well, I want to go round and round in your head. You know, that's what we do here. <laughs> oh, God, that might be scary, but I know I like scary. <laughs> Sadly, I'm attracted to it. <laughs> I mean, so you just said, okay, we had a gala at the conference that we were at, right? And I used to like go all out, but now I've relaxed uh, quite a bit. And so I still would look around other ones that came really hyped up, really dressed. And I'm like, oh man, I underdressed, you know, I get it. But at least now in my life, because I have done so much heart work in my life. I mean, I grew up in competitive dance, twirling pageants. So you do nothing but compare yourself. So I feel like I've come so far that I'm like, I'm comfortable in what I wear. It looks good. It's fine. It's got a little tiny flash, you know, but not too much. And so the way that I would feel threatened 
is different than the way you felt threatened, but we both still feel threatened. Mm. But that's what today's about, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's like, and we can be safe and secure in our personhood, but yet put in an uncomfortable place, we go into this round I mean, you can't see me sure. but when you watch it on the yeah. video i'm i'm doing the feedback loop thing you know my clients go yeah i know that so what was your feedback loop what was that inside of your head if you would be kind enough to tell us well i think in, in the in the example that i gave you you know it's kind of like here's where i feel like an imposter because uh. i'm not normally in this world and so i don't i feel like i don't belong and i don't know how to belong right um, but it's interesting my my friend and i we've been reading this emotionally healthy woman and we were talking last last time Love about it. the quit worrying about what other people think. And it was so very interesting because we were talking through the various scenarios that she gives and which are the ones that we have the biggest problem with. And it was so fascinating because it's actually was, it's my, uh, it's my college roommate who I was talking with and oh, she and I are it. both very similar in a lot of ways. She's an engineer too. She is disgustingly <laughs> brilliant engineer. Um, oh. Really? Oh. I'm so jealous. Like like top engineering student of the year, kind of disgustingly brilliant, but wonderful. Anyway, what a brain, what know, a brain. One of those friendships that you can be apart for years and you just click Same, I got those it. precious, precious things. But it was so fascinating because she was talking about, here's the scenarios that she has problems with. And then here's the scenarios that I have problems with. And they weren't the same. Okay. You know, and it was just kind of interesting to say, oh, see, I don't have a problem with this, but I have a problem with that. Well, I don't have a problem with that at all, but you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's just uh, So when you said threatened though, uh, that's a that's a big word and I understand feeling threatened. But here here's Lisa, secure Lisa, took a risk to come to a conference. She knew one person and it was a big it wasn't huge, but it was a, it was for COVID times because it was actually like towards the endish of COVID kind of, but still a little nerve-wracking. Um, enough people to make you a little nerve wracked. Uh, and yet you're still feeling like an imposter. I went to that conference and I too felt like an imposter. I'm going to let, I'm going to let you tell your story first and then I'll share mine and see if they're like in any way. Well, I'm, I'm never, I've never been good at networking, you know, schmoozing. My person, yeah, schmoozing. My personality that's not my strength is talking with people. I don't know, uh, connecting with people, you know, it's, it's very draining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do it. I know I have been to, I have gone to a number of big conferences. I've gone to the, the American fiction writers conference. That's a really Ooh, big one. That's I've gone to huge. that several times. So okay. I have, you know, traveling, traveling is trying for me. I'm not good at traveling, especially alone. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in this big, big room full of people I don't know. So there's many levels of uncomfortableness there. Yeah, but yeah. I have done it before and I can do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, until I crash. Um, <laughs> but but I guess, you know, because we all have body image hangups and I guess that's mm-hmm. that's where mine comes out is when we're all supposed to look our best. Okay, that's I gotcha. The body image, the body image mm-hmm. terror of me not measuring up hits. Yeah. Okay. I get it. So that's threatening because it, it's, it's, it's just scary. Scary to put yourself out there. Because 
I like to know and be prepared about everything. And I don't, I don't know the right thing to wear. Gotcha. Okay. And if I did know, I would probably think I can't wear that. That would look stupid on me. (laughs) It's a very busy mind. (laughs) Very active. Right. I know. There's so much energy that we, that we put into these things. And I feel like an imposter because I know how to show up. I know how to dress. I know how to do it. I mean, goodness gracious, I've done it my whole life, right? How to walk into an interview and and knock knock them dead so you can become a Miss something. You know, I want to be Miss America. So it's like, okay, I spent hours and hours in interview training and all of those things and the things to wear and the things to dress. And yet... At that particular conference was a, a real tell a tell for me because I felt out of my skin. It's like I I, I looked it all right, but on the mm-hmm. inside it wasn't matching up anymore. Mm-hmm. It was like I don't do that. I can do it, mm-hmm. but I wasn't comfortable doing it, which is kind of the adverse. So it felt like an imposter to my true self. Does that make and, any and sense? The, oh yeah, that's. That's really, I think, one of my my deep heart wishes for is to help people who are at that place where they're sick and tired of feeling an imposter to themselves, helping them be an imposter to the rest of the world instead. Yes. Well said. Well (laughs) said. Yes. That is a time for a standing ovation. Because what you just said was, we are then at home in our being. Yeah. And I would add, we are fully embracing our Genesis 2-7 God-breathed identity. I know whose I am. I know who I am. And whether I decide to wear a nice pair of jeans and sweater to a gala or choose to dress up as to be included with everyone else, I think we should be at home no matter what. Of course, there's etiquette and all of those things. I'm not going in. We're not going to that. We're going to the heart of the matter here. But here are these two women, you know, Lisa and Janelle, look really present really differently to the audience or to that group, yet both longing to belong and be home inside of themselves. And be okay. And that's what this is about today. All right, you have, tell me what you have to say. I see your eyes lighting up. I just, I love that image of of being home, mm-hmm. being home wherever you are. Mm-hmm. That because I was actually using that. You know, the, I've been feeling the Lord nudging me over the last couple of years to to do more public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have doing some, you know, actually doing some coaching along that to, to get good at it. And, and so I'm stumbling. And I applaud you for but, doing that. Mm-hmm. But um, so the last two times I have done a talk, I have said those words. I felt at home on stage. Oh, I just got a big deep breath. I love that. Right. Because people say, oh, are you nervous? And I said, well, no, no. Once, once I got up there, I was not nervous. I was I was at home. Yes. Because I knew the message I had was good to give to someone. And it was relevant and it was needed. And it was right. why yeah. you were there doing that. And I was speaking from my heart to start with. So yeah. Yeah. And speaking from 
uh, an authentic place inside of yourself when we're home. So in The Power of Belonging, they continue, psychotherapist and theologian Kent Hoffman describes a circle of security where home has two functions, depending upon our needs. Firstly, it is a secure base from which we can adventure into life. Secondly, it's a safe haven to which we can return from the Mm -hmm. challenges of life. Mm -hmm. I I just love that. I know. I love that so much because if we put it if we put it in the frame that you and I are trying to frame it in, that we and our bodies are at home with whose we are, who we are, our ups, our downs, our goods, our bads, our warts, our shadows. We know, like, that's why I personally love the Enneagram. It helps me first and foremost see what is shadowed about my life, where what is what I have put on and how I've learned to show up for life, right? And it then it scales you back into who you really are in your essence or however you want to say it. And so once I knew this about myself, Lisa, I'm a, this is gut level honest, never said it out loud. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do it though. I'm going to do it because I feel safe with Lisa Betts. I probably would never have approached you or maybe said, let's go to dinner together after the meeting or let's have coffee in the break. Because a two in their very unhealthy self are not really givers. The motivation is always, I will give so that I get something in return. And I remember when I learned that about myself, I want, I was nauseous. You know, I was like, that can't be true. That is not what I do. But then I realized it's exactly what I had done most of my life. When in truth, I would much prefer going and having dinner or coffee with you because then I can just be me because those people that I would ever want to impress are going to be the ones that can do something for me. So that means they probably wouldn't have time for me Hmm. because everybody else wants a piece of them as well. Does that make sense? I mean, I, yeah, I'm I'm not a two, so I don't, I can't completely get in into the mindset of, because that's not my motivation at all. Right. That isn't Um, very true. You know, and and my motivation is all about knowing everything and needing nothing. Yes. Yes. So that you're <laughs> safe emotionally or you don't have but to share an emotion. I'm safe emotionally and we keep your emotions over there. Way over there. Over there. And because that's too much energy, it's all about, I don't want to waste energy on that stuff because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to run out. Um, yeah. yeah. But I like to know everything. And so I actually, I I don't mean to... Just because I express myself the way I do, I intimidate people because I seem so super intelligent. Oh my gosh, like, oh. yes. That is another reason I want to approach you too. Let's be very like, intelligent. I'm just a normal everyday person. I'm really, you know, I'm I'm really my husband and I both were very down-to-earth, unpretentious, pragmatic sorts of people, but we just have our brain stuffed full of stuff because that's what our brain wants to do. Ooh, like yes. that, that little robot from that movie years ago. Input, input. <laughs> what number is your husband, by the way? Is he a five? Oh, I don't, don't know. know. Okay. He, he's an engineer. He's an engineer. He he sort of looks looks down his nose at anything that smacks of psychology. Or, yes, or, I get it. 
I get um, it. So I can't really get him to, to, to take the test. test okay. Um, I got it. That's okay. It's not important for the conversation today. I was just curious. It isn't. No. So let's get back to then why we're here, why it was so important for you and me to have this conversation. Cause it really was so important, especially here at the beginning of a new okay. year in, in two and two are seemingly so different on the outside, but yet completely similar on the inside. And I guess what I am wanting, there are two, two real strategic intentions I have here is that when we allow God to truly move in our lives, and I know at that conference, that was my heart. It was like, Father, I didn't really want to go because I, I'm just that, that is industry is really draining my energy quite a bit, you know, with having to perform and having to have numbers and having to have book sale, this and that. And it's just draining. Mm -hmm. But I thought I'm going to go, I'm going to give it another try. And I just remember saying, Father, just lead me to people that you want me to meet. Well, he did that. Right. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, a real sign of our personal and spiritual growth is, you know, Maybe the people you're trying to fit in with are not your people. Mm. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. So stop yeah. wasting your energy mm. and have a secure enough base within yourself so that you can be like Lisa and maybe stand on the outsides, maybe not want to approach gregarious tigger, you know, <laughs> but say, well, why can't I? Maybe she's super nice or, you know, God lead me to her if you want us to get to know each other. Well, he sure as heck did. And then second is to find that you and your body are the safe place to return. Just like I read, we want to have a secure base from which to launch and to take risk and to go to things that we may not feel comfortable in going, attend galas where we don't know how to dress or we feel threatened. But then at the end of the day, feel really good about yourself and really safe inside of yourself that we're not threatened anymore. We're not feeling like an imposter that we're like, well, I didn't look like everybody else, but that's okay. And at the end of the day, I'm doing really okay. Heartlifters, we're going to stop right here. We have gone long. So I'm going to take this conversation with Lisa and divide it up into two parts because I think it's so worthy of us taking notice of that's what it means to be remarkable, right? To be worthy, to be noticed. And there were so many great teaching points in this conversation. I hope that you received as much from it as I did. I wonder if you related to Lisa saying, I don't measure up. Well, it's easy to not feel important. I don't belong. I don't have the credentials to be here. I do my thing in my little circle, but does that really even matter? She said so many other things that I know we all have felt and confessed in our lives. And that takes a lot of our energy to deal with every day. So I encourage you to do two things 
at the end of this beautiful conversation. If you have never taken an Enneagram test, I want to encourage you to do so because we're going to be talking about it more and more in the future. And I just would love for you to take the test, to know your number, and to have an understanding of perhaps, okay, Lisa said she was an Enneagram 5. Well, what does that mean? And Janelle said she's an Enneagram 2. Well, what does that mean? Just to get uh, more educated, to learn something more about yourself and perhaps the motives of why you do what you do and why you think the way you think. And you can do that on several different sites. I will put them, the ones that I recommend, in the show notes. And second, I just want you to consider this prompt. What does it really look like? What does it really feel like to be at home in your body? What does it mean to feel really comfortable in your own skin? And when you do possess that beautiful quality of feeling at home inside of yourself, loving the good, the bad, and the ugly, how will that then reserve beautiful energy for what God has really called you to do on this planet? Because negative limiting beliefs take so much energy to deal with. Negative feedback loops are draining and exhausting. Comparing ourselves, competing with others, these are all very exhausting endeavors. And in her book, Belong, Find Your People, Create Community, and Live a More Connected Life, Raja Agrawal writes about energy. And she said, I realized a long time ago that energy, enthusiasm, and excitement matter, really matter. Good people want to hang out, work, travel, and do business with people who use exclamation points and who say yes to life. Positive energy is contagious. Shoulder shruggers are often left behind. Every day of our lives, we absorb, mirror, and emit energy all around us. As evolved animals, it's our most potent form of communication. She writes, I spent my 20s unaware of how much I was mirroring and absorbing other people's energies. And when I turned 30, I looked at myself in the mirror and didn't recognize the person I saw. My energy was muted. My fire was dim. Our energy defines us. And the people we surround ourselves with help shape our energy. Our romantic partners, our work colleagues, our friends, our outside forces like the news and politics, even the barista down the street can affect our energy every day. It's either energizing or depleting. How we take care of our bodies, including what we eat, how we exercise, and how much we sleep affects our energy too. Energy is felt the moment we meet another person. Our eyes and our demeanor do the talking for us. It's our very first impression. How we look or dress matters far less than the energy we emit to the world. Energy defines how we feel and how others perceive us more than any other quality. It's a great equalizer in life. It doesn't matter what you do for a living or how much money you have. The energy you put out is the energy you get back. Negative energy breeds negative community and positive energy breeds positive community. It's that simple. So just examine, just examine, gone way long, Examine how you are utilizing your God-given energy 
in your life? Are you using it by incorporating that healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills every day? And when a negative feedback loop comes, you're aware of it. And you're like, oh, no, 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 we're not going there. That's a waste of energy. I'm not going to compare myself with that person. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to be fully embodied. I'm going to be at home and comfortable in my own skin so that I can be very present in my life to everyone in my sphere of influence. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.